Welcome to Monsters Among Us. I am your guide, Derek Hayes. And like I just said, I am Derek Hayes, and this is Monsters Among Us Podcast. And if you're new to the program, you picked a hell of a day to start. Now for those that are new, essentially every week I play eyewitness testimony. Recordings made by the eyewitnesses themselves. I can't stress enough that these are not interviews. These calls are submitted via a toll-free hotline, the number to which I will reveal at the end of the program. Now the monster hotline, as I like to call it, is now busier than ever. Some days I receive as many as a dozen submissions. As it turns out, many of you have seen crazy things, just like I have. But the hotline wasn't always this productive. At one point early on, I had to think back to friends that told me crazy paranormal stories, then reach out to them, beg them to share those stories with strangers. Luckily, a few did, and the show grew into what it is today. But after nearly three and a half years, seven seasons, and well over 150 episodes, the call or calls that I get asked about the most stem from one of those familiar submissions. I was in my third episode and my 100 listeners didn't have any stories to share. That's when I remembered a story my friend Matt told me over a beer in college. So I hit him up, begged, and pleaded. And to my surprise, he agreed. Now his story, while terrifying and downright awesome, didn't really jump out at me at first. That's until other people had heard it. So the story, or should I say stories, that I'm asked most about begin with Matt's submission. A story that uncovered a terrifying secret that apparently lay hidden beneath our collective nose. Of course, I'm referring to the phenomenon now known as the mirrored man. Well, I'm asked about this subject so often that I thought I'd devote an entire episode once again to this strange phenomenon, these odd entities. So tonight's special episode is all about the mirrored man. Now, full disclosure, I don't have a single answer. But what I do have is a retelling from one of the original submissions and a brand new call that just might describe these sinister entities. 
I'll discuss details of these entities as the show goes on. So for now, sit back, crank up the volume, turn down the lights, lock those doors, check your clocks. These are the mirrored men. Our first submission takes us back to where it all began. From the Cleveland, Ohio area, the following is Matt's story. Hey, I just want to tell you thanks first and foremost for letting me uh, tell the story here. Forgive me if a few of the details are a little bit fuzzy, but... It was about 20 years ago, a little over 20 years ago. What I did see still sticks with me, and it still kind of freaks me out to this day. So like I said, this was about 20, maybe even 21 years ago. I, was, uh, I wasn't even quite yet a teenager. Uh, we had just moved, my family had just moved from our old house to, uh, to a newer house. To a, well, it was a brand new house. It was just built. Um, but the development itself <clears throat> was still uh, very incomplete. Um, you know, there's a lot of... Uh, a lot of dirt lots, um, you know, basements already kind of dug out, construction stuff all over the place, and kind of like that. <laughs> Definitely a safe place for a young kid to go run around and be an idiot in. This would have been uh, maybe after the first, after a first full year in the house of, uh, it must have been early summer, maybe even late spring. Um, I just remember it was warm out. I was dead asleep in my room, and, uh, but like just suddenly I had like this urge. I felt like very compelled to wake up. Not not like in a, a jumpy sort of way, like something startled me, but just I was just very alert and uh, very awake. This is a little bit after 2 a.m. And uh, I also felt compelled to go walk over to my one of my bedroom windows. So I walked over and um, <clears throat> I sort of crouched down so I could see, I don't know why I crouched down, but I crouched down so I could kind of see uh, out the window a little bit better. There's some trees in our front yard. They're probably gone now, but um, <clears throat> there's some trees in our front yard that block my view a little bit, but you could still kind of see all the way down to the corner down the street. Probably can't now. There's obviously, like I said, this was a, a new development at the time. There weren't many houses then, but uh, now your view would probably probably be blocked from the same window. So anyway, um, as I'm peering down, looking at this corner, I see three figures walking away from away from my house. They're maybe two two to three hundred feet away, somewhere in that range, and kind of moving, uh, like I said, moving away from the house. So I'm watching them for a long moment, and I don't know why. Like I, I just, like I said, I just woke up and felt compelled to kind of go over the window and take a peek out. And uh, as I'm watching these figures, I notice that I just can't glean any detail. I mean, there's even a street light kind of down the street away. But it's just like it's not enough light for me to make out exactly what or who or what was walking down the street. But I could just I could see the more or less the dark outlines of like people. But it was really strange uh, as I was watching them. As I was watching them, I noticed that they were all moving in unison, like almost like perfectly synced together. Uh, they're sort of in like a not quite a straight line, almost like an angled line uh, walking down the, uh, well, what would become the sidewalk, but uh, it was just kind of like a dirt path at the time. And they were also very, very slow. 
even though they were moving kind of constantly, it didn't seem like any of their moves, any of their movements were in any kind of hurry. They just sort of almost like glided down the street. So I'm watching them for a very long moment and all three of them stop. And I don't know how to explain it. it even though I couldn't really make out any detail, I could tell that they all sort of turned their heads to look at me. There's nothing else on the street. There's no cars. Uh, there's no other people walking around. Like I said, it was new development. There wasn't much really out by where we lived at that point in time. And uh, all three of them at the same time, though, like I said, they moved in unison. They craned their heads, at least as far as I could tell, to look at me. And I don't, I don't know, if, I, I don't know if you can make eye contact with something that doesn't, you can't really see a face on, but I feel like we made eye contact for a moment. Whatever I was looking at, they knew that I was watching them, and they were watching me there for that for that long, long moment. So anyway, as I'm kneeling there, I just kind of remember blinking and kind of going blank, blink again, and I'm leaning face first against my window in that exact same position I was kind of kneeling there before. But I, it's now about nine o'clock, maybe just before nine o'clock. All three of them, all three of the figures, uh, turned around, uh, craned their necks around to look at me. And like I said, they all moved in unison, so I could kind of see the uh, the movements happening at the same time. And uh, it was that we had that weird moment where I knew I knew they were watching me, and they knew I was watching them. And it was just kind of a weird, kind of tense moment. I didn't know what to do. I just kind of sat there and just kept staring. And then. Uh, everything just kind of went blank, like not, not in like a pass out kind of way. I just felt like a very long blink. And when I opened my eyes again, I was uh, still in the same position, kind of kneeling down, looking at the window. My face was like pressed up against the glass of the window. Um, and instead of 2 a.m., it was just about 9 a.m., uh, maybe just a little bit before 9 a.m. I had blinked and misplaced about seven hours worth of time. It was in daylight, obviously. There was you know, weird figures at the end of the street uh, by the corner. Still really freaks me out, actually. You know, 20 years later, like I said, some of the details are maybe a little bit off. And, you know, I don't know how far away they were or you know, what time of year it was necessarily, but I, I still remember that moment when they turned around and look at, looked at me, knowing that I was watching them. Still kind of runs chills up my spine. Anyway, thanks for letting me tell the story. Hopefully, I don't experience anything like that ever again. As I'd mentioned in the opener, I liked this story a lot when it came in, but it didn't jump out at me as any part of any camp in the paranormal world. If forced to give an explanation at the time, I probably would have thought practical joke or simple nightmare. But that's when the emails started coming in. They didn't flood in. I had one here and one there but enough to make me take notice. Emails like the following. Now I feel it's important before I start this submission to point out that Warren Pon Abbott, a talented voice actor that donates time and his talent to the show, read a number of these stories when they were first released. I tried to be as clear about that as possible without ruining the illusion for anyone wishing to keep it. So for those that wrote in and claimed that it was the same voice for many of these submissions, you'd be correct. I will be careful to point out each story that Warren reads this evening. 
And lastly, the following sequence of calls is not chronological. We will be jumping around some for entertainment value. But one of those early calls was the submission performed by Warren and submitted anonymously from the state of Iowa. Hey Derek, I've been listening to your podcast out of order and I happened to cross one that flooded me with anxiety and recollection. When I was about 14 years old back in 98, I saw three hunched figures, which terrified me. There was something alien about their movements and about how little definition their forms had. It was late winter with iced over snow on the ground, everything extremely well lit with a nearly full moon and reflective white snow covering everything. It was after midnight around 1.30 or 2 a.m. and I felt wrong, off somehow. I looked out the window and saw three dark silhouettes walking single file over the snow slowly, almost lazily moving through the night. I watched them, trying to figure out who or what would be moving so strangely in the dead of night in freezing cold weather miles from civilization. I lived 30 miles from the nearest small town, 50 miles away from the nearest thing you could call a city. Middle of nowhere, Iowa. This looked like the shadows of hunchbacked old crones, but maybe they were holding themselves that way against the cold. It took me a while to realize all three of them were perfectly mirroring their movements. With a single file line sort of made sense. If you're walking in the snow with others, it saves effort to walk through their wake, you know, trodden in their footprints, but the, the synchronicity was uncanny. And once I noticed it, it was disturbing. It just felt wrong, and I became scared, and just about the moment I was starting to feel real unease and fear, they stopped, and they turned their heads to point in my general direction, like they heard something or caught a scent. I'm not ashamed to admit I squealed for my dad to come quick. These things weren't headed for my house, but they weren't far from it either, they seemed to be cutting across my backyard, and again, let me stress how odd it was to see somebody, anybody at all, near my house. Uh, it was very, very isolated. I would have probably shouted for my father sooner had I not been taken with curiosity at the slow movement, the oddness of these things. I shouted again, uh, desperate now, and very afraid my father showed up at my door, but the odd thing was he looked like he'd just woken up, but he was in the middle of a movie, the last thing I knew. I had somehow, somewhere, lost about three or four hours. It was 5 a.m., and he'd been asleep while apparently I was staring blankly out the window for hours. My bed was still made. I hadn't been asleep yet and forgotten about it. I begged my dad to come outside with me and look for tracks, telling him of the weird people I'd seen in the yard, and eventually, reluctantly, he agreed. Uh, we got dressed from outs for outside, and 
uh, went out onto the porch, uh, and then my dad asked me if I'd been outside any time recently, and I said no. And then I noticed the snow on the porch, and my snowy boots beside the door to the outside. I swore to him I hadn't been outside, I wasn't big on the outdoors, and would rather stay inside with my PlayStation on snowy days off rather than go out and face the elements. I put my boots on and rolled up inside were my cold, wet socks. I would never leave my boots that way, but, you know, there they were. We went outside, but the only tracks in the backyard were from my own boots, and it looked as if I had walked up to where I had seen the silhouettes, judging from their tracks, uh, paced back and forth a bit, then returned back inside. I don't think my father ever really believed me about the missing time, writing it off as sleepwalking, but I've never done that before or since. Listening to the last caller on your third episode just sounded too similar to my own experience with the synchronized shadows and time loss. If you put my story on, I would like to suggest that if your listeners ever see three dark shapes moving in an eerily perfect sync, that they don't stare too long. Because somehow, somehow they notice. Um, If you have any more questions or anything like that, just feel free to get in touch. Uh, Thank you. And after a while, I had enough of these submissions to dedicate an entire episode to them. And by this point, I'd even given them a name. The Mirrored Man. The name's based on their movement and appearance. The following story, also performed by Warren, comes to us from an anonymous source from the Show Me State of Missouri. Uh, hey there. This is in regards to the, the three men who move as one. All three times I've seen the men, I was in Thousand Hills State Park in Kirksville, Missouri. Uh, the first time I noticed them, I was on a bench reading a book, and they appeared off to my left, moving toward me, walking parallel to a tree line in front of the bench. I thought they were dancers doing some sort of weird routine, or at least practicing for one. Their movements were so odd and so in sync, and they were moving so slowly and with an odd gait. It sounds silly, but they almost looked like a slow-motion conga line. (laughs) I'm somewhat shy, so I didn't raise my head to look at them. I watched them a little bit through my peripheral vision, and I had an extremely uneasy feeling while doing so. Uh, They were wearing matching outfits, black shoes, black pants, brown overcoats, which was quite odd for the summer, adding to my suspicions they were some sort of acting costume. I didn't see their faces that day. Uh, They made a course change which seemed to take forever and then disappeared into the trees they'd been skirting. 
Next day, I was several miles away from that area, walking the Thousand Hills Trail at around 4 p.m., just enjoying the fresh air. Uh, when something caught my eye off the trail, some movement in the distance I couldn't quite make out through the tree, I decided to go exploring and find out what it was, moving off trail a ways, um, and I saw three shapes, all moving in unison, just cresting a small hill. This time their outfits were different. Uh, some light brown pants and black turtlenecks this time. Again, a weird thing to wear in the summer. I shouted a greeting this time since I had just been uh, noisily stomping off uh, the trail. Uh, I felt obligated to say something. At first I thought they didn't hear me. They hadn't responded yet. And then I realized they were still turning around. They hadn't been facing me, and they were turning excruciatingly slowly. Their mouths appeared way before they should have as their heads turned. It looked like their lips were stretched out too wide. But it reminded me of a frog's mouth. Their eyes looked extremely intense. Uh, I wouldn't know if I would call it anger, but they certainly looked like wild eyes. Those eyes were the last thing I remembered before I, com I was uh, completely soaked. I, I came to standing in the rain. Uh, it had been raining for at least a half hour, judging by how wet everything was and how muddy the ground uh, was becoming. My clothes and hair were completely soaked. I pulled my phone out of my pocket to check the time, but it didn't work. Completely ruined by the water. I managed to make my way back through the pitch black woods and find the trail and make my way back to my car through the rain and lightning. My car's clock read 1 a.m. and I was stunned, completely unsure of where the last several hours had just gone. Uh, how long had I been standing in the rain? Was I in the dark woods for that entire time from 4 p.m. to 1 a.m.? Uh, I felt sick to my stomach just thinking about it and started my car to drive home in the rain wanting to get as far away as possible, preferably behind a locked door. Uh, two years later, a friend had dragged me back to Thousand Hills. Uh, I was very hard to convince. I felt extremely uneasy about going back there, and I couldn't say why. It was like I'd forgotten what had happened, but knew something bad had happened to me there. I did, uh, I did end up letting him convince me, but as we were driving there, my unease kept growing and growing as little bits of memory would pop up of the event, uh, memories that I guess I had avoided completely somehow for the last two years I'd been away from the park. We were going to have a hike and a picnic, and as we were on the trail, I was all eyes, looking left and right and behind us every three steps, and my heart was beating a mile a minute. My friend was making fun of me, asking, since when are you afraid of the woods and such? I was a nervous wreck, and I really couldn't hide it any longer. I asked him if we could just leave, just go somewhere else instead, and that I had a terrible feeling about Thousand Hills. He gave in, and when we turned around to head back down the trail the way we came, we walked around a bend in the trail, and there they were. Three figures facing away from us as if they'd been headed down the trail the entire time. But we'd just come that way minutes ago. Walked down an empty trail around a bend 
turned around to go back around the bend, and there they were. I clapped my hand over my friend's mouth, locked my eyes on his, viciously shook my head, no. He saw my fear, and he looked a bit scared himself, what with the three of them just suddenly appearing behind us, going the opposite direction as us. We silently watched them move down the trail, in perfect unison, uh, for a while. And I feel like they're all the same person, or at least they share a consciousness, because when one reacts, the other two do as well, all at the same time. There isn't a hesitation, they just move as one, and it's extremely disturbing. I was frozen watching them walk away, as all my memories of my last encounters with them flooded back. Up until then, my friend and I had been still and silent and staring, but I couldn't help it. I turned and ran away as fast as I could. I screamed for him to follow me, to run away. I swear he was right, but I turned back, even though every instinct in me told me not to. I ran back, calling for my friend, but there was no trace of him at all, anywhere on the trail. I walked back and forth, the bit of trail he'd disappeared on for two hours calling for him, and nothing. I was starting to, to worry, you know, and it was getting dark, so I went back to the parking area and I realized I didn't have the keys, uh, as we had taken his car. I wasn't going to leave without him anyway, but I really wanted to get inside of something just to feel safe. I turned back toward the trail, and there he was, sprinting out of the trailhead like something was chasing him, even though I saw nothing. He was digging in his pockets for the keys, and he was in the car yelling for me to get in in a flash. Uh, he asked me what time it was, asked me why it was so dark. I told him it was 9 p.m., and he said, Yeah, that's what my watch says, too. That's bull****. I told him I'd been looking for him for hours, screaming his name at the top of my lungs, but I couldn't find him. He insisted that he didn't even move from the spot, that I ran off, and the men turned around at the noise, and then he was alone and it was dark. He accused me of setting him up, of pulling some prank. My tear-stained face from the crying I'd been doing while searching for him changed his mind eventually, but... We were never very close again after that day. I had forgotten again the things that happened in Thousand Hills until I heard your podcast, and the people describing the men's odd synchronized movements and the lost time. I don't know how one can forget something so traumatic, but I've done it twice now, apparently. And I hope I can manage a third time. I love your podcast, but telling this story was extremely difficult, and I fear that remembering the men may call them back somehow. Now this would be the first and only witness that I can recall to claim more than one encounter with the mirrored man, and this also marks the first description of a face, and more specifically the morphine of a face. And this call also is one of the first to suggest that these men, if you want to call them that, frequent parks and rural areas. Not only that, but it also gives us a specific location, 1000 Hills State Park. 
I did some digging on 1000 Hills State Park, but didn't find so much as a ghost story. And as if that wasn't creepy enough, it gets even weirder. How about a little folklore on the subject? The following, which was also performed by Warren, was submitted by Kent from Parts Unknown. Uh, so, when I was a young man, my father used to tell me, Kent, if you ever see three men moving in a funny sort of way all the same, look away and walk away, calm as you can, like you didn't see anything out of the ordinary. I'd ask him why and he'd always say, just you listen, no need to know more. The thing is, he would tell me and my sister this a lot, at least like twice a year from as far back as I can remember. When I was in my teen years, I'd ask him about it a lot, usually after he'd uh, just reminded me once more to look away and walk away, calm as can be. And he'd always tell me it was important that I remembered what he told me, but that if I knew too much, that it'd be bad. Uh, we were on a family road trip one year, my father, my younger sister, and I, and my sister had to use the restroom. We pulled over to some gas station in the middle of nowhere, either in Missouri or Iowa. We were around that area. I stayed in the car. My father went inside to get the bathroom key for my sister, and my sister was doing the I have to pee dance near the locked bathroom door outside of the gas station. So uh, my dad got the key and was walking it out to my sister. I could see them both from the car, but they couldn't see each other as the bathroom was around a corner of the building. My sister, she stopped doing her dance, froze solid, then pivoted on her heel and started walking away to the car, uh, you know, heading back toward me. My dad raised a hand to her when he saw her come around the corner. Sweetie, I have the key here, he called out. She shook her head and said something I couldn't hear. My dad pivoted as well. Both of them headed straight for the car, walking oddly like they were uh, having guns to their backs, you know, like all forced or under duress. As they neared the car, I could hear my sister saying over and over, Look away and walk away, calm as you can. Look away and walk away, calm as you can. Look away and walk away. Uh, her and my father piled into the car. He still had the bathroom key attached to a big piece of 2 by 4 uh, you know, to keep people from accidentally wandering off with it. But he sped out of that parking lot anyway as fast as he could. My sister just kept blubbering that they moved so strange, Daddy. All the same, like you said. And he just shushed her and said, Don't talk about them. Don't think about them. Don't think about them at all. Think about anything else. You did good by walking away calmly, but now is the hard part. You can't think of them or talk of them or it calls them back. <laughs> so we rode in silence for a few miles before my sister said that she really had to go, uh, but she wanted us to come with her and turn our backs, so we did. Uh, the three of us pulled over. My sister went and squatted behind a bush while my father and I stood guard. None of us talked about the men for the rest of the trip. And we never let each other out of sight, sticking very close together for the rest of that entire road trip. I've, I've never seen personally what you call uh, the mirror men, but my father knew of them 
and he warned my sister and me of them since we were very tiny. And I believe my sister saw them that day. Uh, my, my father is dead now, and my sister and I lost touch years ago. But maybe sharing this story will help one of your listeners with my father's old advice. Uh, if you see them, look away and walk away. Calm as you can. Uh, I love the show. Thanks, Derek. And just like that, look away and walk away as quick as you can became a bit of a slogan regarding the mirrored man. Now this story has personally haunted me ever since I first read it. I find it fascinating that there may be some sort of folklore, legends, about these particular beings. Maybe it generates from the Missouri area, or the Ozarks, or the Midwest. And at this point, it seems that the mirrored men have even managed to infest people's dreams. As you can hear in the following, that was submitted by Ray in Illinois, and again performed by Warren. Hello. I first want to thank Zangless Podcast for sending me in your direction. Uh, I have two stories about the mirrored men. I thought I was just seeing things, but now it makes sense. They both take place in the Chicagoland area. Uh, the first story is actually from my sister. This was at least a decade ago. She was sleeping in her room, um, just directly above mine, and it was about... 1 a.m. when she suddenly woke up. She said that at the edge of her bed were these three figures all just sitting there watching her. She described them as being like monks, probably just meaning they were cloaked. Um, anyway, she said they sat there watching her for five minutes and they turned all together and slowly walked down the hall into my other sister's room my other sister hasn't said anything about seeing anything my mom and other siblings just told her she was dreaming thank you for helping others like me feel like our stories are real We will hear from Ray again later in the episode. Now to me, this kind of sounds like a nightmare, perhaps even a sleep paralysis experience. But does that mean something else? Does that suggest that perhaps these entities have somehow invaded our dreamscape, subconscious, our nightmares? And from here, things get even darker. The following, which is also the last to be read by Warren, really seems to raise the stakes when it comes to mirrored men encounters. The following was submitted anonymously from the state of Indiana. Uh, hey, uh, so I heard your uh, most recent episode, uh, number 13, uh, and the two calls you played about a synchronized trio of dark shapes 
I have a similar story. I was deer hunting in Indiana a few years back. I think it was 2011 or 2012. I was up in a deer stand, being very quiet, surveying my surroundings and trying to be as stealthy as possible. I had used odorless detergents on my hunting equipment, odorless soaps on myself, as well as masking my scent by cutting open the green husks of black walnuts. Uh, they were very pungent oil. Uh, rubbed myself and the area around my tree stands with them. Do doing everything I could uh, to remain unseen, unheard, unsmelled. Uh, when you're hunting in a stand, you're immobile and you have to dedicate yourself to remaining unnoticed to give yourself the best chance at taking down game. Um, it was around 3 p.m. and I hadn't I hadn't spotted any deer, but things were promising. Uh, the woods were alive with sounds of wildlife, active and normal. Um, I don't know if you've been hunting, but when you are undetected, the forest can get quite lively and loud with animal activity and calls. Uh, it's when things grow silent that you know the animals are aware of you. I was scanning the area, looking hard for any sign of deer which are extremely talented at blending into their surroundings, when I caught sight of three shapes stalking slowly through the woods, uh, almost like how a predator uh, will slowly move after its prey to not attract attention. I was sure they were a hunting party at first. Um, they stood upright, but they didn't wear any high visibility colors, which is almost suicide when you're in the woods and it's deer season. Now, you should be wearing a blaze orange cap or vest at least to make sure a hunter doesn't mistake you for a buck and take a shot. I was wearing a blaze orange cap myself, even though I was 15 feet up in a stand. Deer don't see the color how people do, so it's really easy uh, to just add a little bit of safety, um, and there's no drawback to it. Um, I was upset at first when I noticed the people moving through the woods as I'd been sitting up this tree uh, for you know hours, and the last thing I needed was some hikers stomping through the brush and spooking all the game. But that's when it hit me how odd it was that all the sounds of wildlife and bird calls hadn't stopped. When I walked to my stand earlier that day, the woods had gone deathly silent at my passage, only picking up after I'd been stationary in my tree stand for about 40 minutes. Uh, but for some reason, three people, somehow, were moving through the woods, and the animals took no notice at all, not going quiet or silent like they would for me. No matter how stealthy I moved or how masked my scent was, the woods always go silent. Uh, the three weren't walking toward me more diagonal, and if they continued their closest point to me, would be approaching pretty soon. I couldn't get a great look at the three shapes at first, as they, uh, they were obstructed by trees and brush uh, most of the time, but uh, as they reached a bit of clearing, I noticed how perfectly in sync the three people were. They walked like they were following some choreography or maybe soldiers marching in cadence, but without the rhyming. Uh, but it was more than that. Uh, every single motion was mirrored perfectly, and in such a weird slow motion, like they were moving through jello. Uh, they were also dressed 
identically, uh, in what looked to be some old-fashioned tweed suits. I raised my scope to my eye to get a better look at these odd people, and that's when things went from weird to downright terrifying. The moment I had the gun raised toward these people, everything in the woods went completely silent. I didn't make a sound, and my movement of raising the scope to my eye was subtle. Um, and yet somehow, the action of pointing my weapon at these three things had made the entire area go quiet, as if someone had just screamed at the top of their lungs. What I saw when looking through the scope was that all three of them had stopped forward movement and were slowly turning their heads directly toward me with that eerie, mirrored motion, like there was one mind controlling all three of them. Uh, at that moment, I wished that I had not worn that blaze orange cap, um, as I was certain that it was going to be the thing to give me away. My heart was racing, but I continued to watch through the scope as the three turned toward me. What I saw was three men who looked... just looked wrong somehow. I think the shape of their eyes was somehow off, and the spacing between their nose and mouth was just slightly odd. And also their mouths. Their mouths were too long. Looking at the, mou at the mouths reminded me of a bullfrog. Um, either they were all brothers or triplets, um, and they, you know, they looked, they looked identical as far as I could tell. The last thing I remember of them was them locking eyes on my tree stand, and then the sun was gone. It was dark, and I was no longer in my tree stand. And I wasn't hurt, and yet my tree stand was still 15 feet up. It was a climbing tree stand, which means you need to use it to get up and get down. Um, if you search online for a climbing tree stand, there, there are videos that show how they function. And you'll see, uh, getting down while leaving it up would have been pretty painful. Uh, my gun was stuck in the ground, butt up and standing at a tension barrel, sunk into the ground as if I dropped it from the stand just right or drove it in intentionally. I checked my phone for the time. And it was 11.17 p.m. Somehow, somehow I had lost eight whole hours. Uh, I was... I was extremely spooked, uh, to say the least. And I didn't want to try climbing the tree to get my stand back, especially in the dark and after losing all that time. Um, I didn't have any pain at all. Not even a headache. And I'm certain if I'd fallen 15 feet from my stand to the ground that I'd have at least a scrape or a bruise to show for it, but I didn't. So I, I grabbed my gun up, its barrel was plugged with mud, uh, and I ran back to my truck, sprinting through the woods and not really caring how much noise I made. I took a friend out there the next day with me to help retrieve my stand. He laughed at me the whole time, jokingly asking me how I'd forgotten a stand that I needed to get down from the tree. And I didn't tell him the story, as it sounded insane to me at the time, and still does. I probably would have taken this weird story to my grave without repeating it, but after hearing the other people uh, that have seen the three synced things, 
uh, I had to contribute my encounter with the triplets. I often wonder if what happened to me happened because I pointed a weapon at them and they took it as a threat, or if it was simply because I looked too closely at them. This call, the call I affectionately refer to as the deer stand call, is one of my favorites. It hits all the classic mirrored men tropes and seemed to open the floodgates, allowing submitters to come out of the shadows. They began calling in themselves. Calls like the following from Matt in Virginia. Now Matt actually submitted two separate recordings, but that will become apparent when you hear the calls. Hey, uh, my name is Matt. I'm from Northern Virginia, uh, but my story takes place in Amelia, Virginia. It's a little bit southwest of uh, Richmond. It was back in either beginning of 2010 or end of 09. I was living with a friend of mine at the time. We were playing Yu-Gi-Oh in his room because it was, you know, late at night and we were, you know, dumb teenagers. It had snowed like crazy the day before. We're, you know, just like nothing to do outside. It's too bloody cold. Uh, so we're playing. I get up to stretch my legs. I open the blinds a bit because almost a full moon out there. And with the full moon, almost full moon, and with the snow, it made it so it was really easy to see everything that was going around. And near the end of his driveway, uh, just walking there were three, I don't want to call them people, but just like three things moving really, really slowly. Like I just see that, I'm like, hey, check this out real quick. And he gets up, takes a look at it with me, and we're just watching them move. They're moving so freaking weird, slowly. So we're watching them for a little bit, and then like, I don't know, we feel like, I feel like I zoned out while watching them. Uh, when I look away, I just look at my buddy, I'm like, hey, you want to keep playing? And he was like, yeah, but what about them? And then we look back out there and there's nothing there. And then he checks his phone and it was like four in the morning at that time. But when we looked, it was like close to like 11 something. Only thing I can think of is, well, after listening to a lot of your podcasts, and you talking about the mirrored men, that's all I can think of is what they were. Um, yeah, I hope you like my story. I uh, haven't seen anything like them since. I didn't see anything like them before. I uh, didn't even know what they were until I heard that podcast. Thanks. I love the show. I've been listening since almost the beginning. Thanks. I hope you're able to use my story. Hey, this is uh, Matt from uh, Northern Virginia with the story about the Mirror Men. I got in touch with my friend. I haven't talked to him in a while. Uh, asked him what he could remember about it. Basically, uh, from what we can both remember from talking about this for a while, the mailbox from his house is about 100 to 150 feet away from his house. Still far enough that we could see it, but uh, close enough that we could see it, but far enough that we can't really get like facial features and everything. Not that we could really see their faces. They were wearing cloaks, but like we could see, we could see like an, I swear I saw an arm, but 
other than the cloaks, we couldn't really see many features of them. But from what we could see, ish, it looked kind of like they had jerky movements when they were walking. But each one of them had the same jerky movement when they were walking. Other than that, I, we can't really remember much. It was about, how was it, like seven years ago? I know it's not much more detail, but that's all we can both remember from talking about it. Uh, hope that helps a bit. Uh, love the podcast. Thank you. And then another encounter from the state of Iowa, this time from listener Will. My name is Will, and I'm from Iowa. I grew up on a road named Stony Hollow, and there's a lot of uh, a lot of stories around these parts about that road. Um, most of them have to do with Indian ghosts and stuff like that. Uh, that's that's not what my story's about, though. I just listened to your episode three, where a man described seeing three strange shapes moving in uh, moving in sync with one another, and it reminded me of something similar I experienced on that road back in the early 2000s or late 90s as a child. I was looking out the window of my house, and this is this is in the middle of nowhere. Uh, nearest house is a couple miles away, just uh, gravel road, woods. Uh, it was probably midnight or 1 a.m., and I look out the window, and I see three shapes. Uh, well, actually, I see one shape walk, step onto the road into the light. And then it steps forward, and another shape is behind it. And then they both step forward, and then the third shape. And these three forms walked across the road. Uh, they were bipedal, uh, but they moved really oddly. And I couldn't place what it was at first. And then I realized that they were moving in tandem. Uh, they All their movements were mirrored. And about the time I realized this, they stopped and I, I could only see their silhouettes in the moonlight, just three dark, similar shapes. But when they stopped, I could tell that they were looking at me, or at the very least, they felt they were being watched, and they were looking for what was looking at them. And uh, that is one of the most terrifying moments of my life. Uh, I, I don't remember much past that. That is nearly the extent of the memory. Um, the road was maybe a quarter mile away from the house, maybe a bit less, but it, it was not far. But it also was not terribly near either. And I was not pressed up against the window. I was I was uh, back about a foot at least. But that is my story. And after hearing the other person relate his story of the three synced things which gazed at him it uh, it brought it back into brought it back in the forefront of my mind something I hadn't thought about in a long time and I just wanted to leave that story for you bye as you can see there is a distinct pattern forming here three figures jerky, slow, or strange movement. Moving in unison. And, of course, missing time. I've kept track of some of the hours, 
Seven hours. Five. Nine hours. Eight. The numbers continue, but they're all sizable chunks of time. So at this point, I break it down to three possibilities. One, it's a hoax. Someone simply heard Matt's call and decided they were going to run with it. Wrote in a few submissions, sprinkled in some details, and I took the bait. I suppose that's possible, but here in a few minutes you'll find out why that may not be the case. The second option is that the witnesses themselves were victims of a hoax. Is there some secret group out there performing these staged rituals to prank people, scare people, or as an art project? That sounds very possible if it weren't for the missing time. In my opinion, it's near impossible to fake on someone. And of course that only leaves us with one other option. These things are somehow real. Be it aliens, ghosts, interdimensional beings. Whatever they are, they walk among us, stealing time from some, and who knows what else, from others. So this realization got me thinking, and thinking leads to digging. But perhaps unlucky for me, instead of traveling to Ohio, Iowa, Missouri, or Virginia, the phenomenon found its way home. It found its way to me. The following was submitted by John in my state of California. Hey Derek, thanks for the entertaining podcast. My name's John, and if I had to describe myself, I would say that I'm a lifelong skeptic in all of this, but I'm still always hunting Bigfoot or wanting it to be real. So I Cryptids have always been kind of uh, entertaining to me more than anything else, but the one thing that I have to say that has struck me more than anything is the mirrored men stories, and I don't know why that is. Every single time I relate, retell the story or hear the story, it gives me shivers and it strikes me in like a primal part of my fear centers and I, I don't really know exactly why that is other than the fact that I might be psyching myself out well I have somewhat of a story from that area and I wanted to relay it um, it's actually from your neck of the woods um, I grew up in Lake Arrowhead on the San Bernardino Mountains and um, a lot of days up there are covered in fog as you probably know, being from around that area now. And that fog, a lot of people up there that have grown up there kind of view it with a little bit of suspicion, um, won't go out into it, and will tell stories about the fog. Or It's kind of something that kids are scared of. Um, and I don't really know what the, the reason for that is. Um, we don't really have like a, uh, a boogeyman that, you know, in that area that I know of. Um, but I think that might originate from people being scared to drive in it, um, especially among, uh, along the rim. It's a pretty treacherous, uh, stretch of road. And we've all, anyone that's grown up there knows several people that have lost their lives driving off that road. So it's kind of, you know, a bit of a, a, a bit of a bad omen to have the fog covering. Um, in Lake Arrowhead, there is a 
place called Strawberry Peak. It was a, and Strawberry Peak is kind of a place that teenagers will go hang out, smoke cigarettes sometimes, uh, make out. It's like the make out point. Um, and off and on throughout my childhood and high school years, you've been able to either drive all the way up to Strawberry Peak or uh, periodically they put up gates that people will bash down <laughs> eventually. So it was it was hit or miss. Um, if there was a gate up there, you're able to drive all the way to the point. And the top of Strawberry Peak is a uh, fire lookout point um, that is sometimes used, sometimes not. So usually there's nobody up there. Um, so I had three friends that went to Strawberry Peak and were not able to drive all the way. There was a gate there and there's a short um, trail that goes from the gate around the opposite side, not along the road to get to Strawberry Peak. And a lot of people use that trail. The, uh, these three friends had used that before, knew the area pretty well. They all grew up there. Um, but the fog had been rolling in. So everything was a little bit dark, a little bit foggy and they somehow got separated. And my one friend, she got a little bit farther away from everyone else and started hearing a low humming or one of those low pitched noises that you can, it's barely audible to, uh, to the human ear and was kind of like, what the heck is that? I've never heard something like that. Maybe it's the radio tower up the top, kept on walking, but couldn't really see the other two friends. So she called out to them and they didn't respond and made her a little bit nervous. And so, so when she was walking on this trail, she came up against three identical looking figures. Um, and the way that she described it to me was they looked like they were hooded. Um, they didn't look at her. They didn't really do anything, but it scared the hell out of her seeing these three hooded figures with their backs to her um, in the middle of nowhere in the, in the dark forest. So she quickly, as quickly as she could and as quietly as she could, walked from that area just just try to get back down to the cars um when she got back down the cars mind you this is probably about 200 yards not even couldn't be more than 400 yards um when she got back down to the cars the other two friends were frantic they were like where the heck were you we've been calling out to you it's been like a half an hour of us searching for you where were you we've been up and down the trail several times and she was like, what are you talking about? I was just up to the trail just a little bit ahead of you, and I came right back down. It couldn't have been more than five minutes. When we were around a campfire when she told me this story, um, and I then related the uh, the Mirror Men story uh, that, that has been the bane of my existence, um, and it made her stop and think of the similarities, the, the time, uh, the time loss. Now this friend is a, is someone that I trust pretty much implicitly and would never, I, I've never known her to be an exaggerate, exaggerate anything. I think she truly, she truly saw something out there, whether that is the mirrored men or not. I don't know whether it was just some kids, having some seance out there i don't know but what struck me was the loss of time and that there was three of them that was the same similarities the three that were all looked the same all all uh, 
identical in appearance, um, at least from the back, in clothing, and the lost time. So with those similarities, I thought I would share this story um, since it was, again, from your neck of the woods. Um, now, uh, welcome to the area I've since moved from Lake Arrowhead, but uh, I always think back fondly of that place. So um, I just wanted to share my story. Yeah, thanks. As it turns out, the sightings came to my doorstep. The sighting took place a mere five miles from my cabin. Now, naturally, I made my way over there, did some investigating. A link to the video can be found in the show notes for tonight's episode. Now, John touched on something worth repeating. The visceral reaction that some people have when introduced to the Mirrored Men mythos. Some folks seem to break down at the very idea of something like this existing. And it's at this point, and to my surprise, that Monsters Among Us suddenly wasn't the only media source talking about these things. The popular podcast and website Weird Darkness did a story that appeared to describe something quite similar to the Mirrored Men. YouTube channel Beyond Creepy featured a story that seemed to describe two Mirrored Men in the Australian Outback. And the paranormal news site Phantoms and Monsters even did an article on the Mirrored Men. And even other podcasters got in on the action. Strange Familiars and Blurry Photos both did episodes on the phenomenon. And one host, Paradelphia's Rick Pruitt, even sent in the following suggestion. Hey Derek, Rick Pruitt here from Paradelphia Radio. I hope everything is going well over there at Monsters Among Us. It's definitely one of my go-to podcasts, and it's uh, it's been far too long since we spoke. But uh, I did hear you this morning on another podcast, actually, on a podcast called Blurry Photos, which is another one of my favorites, actually. And you guys were talking about a phenomenon called Mirrored Men. Now, this is something that I have not ever heard of before, but when I heard you giving the description of what this was, I immediately thought of Stephen King novels. Now, I don't know how familiar you are with Stephen King and his works. Um, Stephen King, much like Marvel or DC, Stephen King in his uh, body of work has created a universe where basically he has certain threads that run through his universe and certain characters that run through his universe. And one of the characters that he references a lot in a lot of his books is something called the low men. They're also called Cantoy. And basically these low men are very similar to what you describe when you describe your mirrored men. Now they are not uh, seen in, in triplicate. So there is that difference. But aside from that, these low men tend to be very short in, in, in stature. Um, they look apparently like they are a little bit off. A lot, of, a lot like men in black uh, descriptions are of people who look like they just don't quite fit into their skin. The face is just a little off. And the clothing is another feature. Uh, the clothing of men in black, obviously the black suit. But 
your description of the mirrored men was that they are in plaid suits a lot. And in the Stephen King novels, he has his low men or cantoy a lot of times wearing yellow raincoats. Uh, sometimes they are in suits, but a lot of times they're in yellow raincoats. The idea, though, is that there's apparently some type of quote-unquote uniform that these creatures wear. And the purpose of these low men, basically, they are the grunts. They are the worker bees, so to speak, for this entity called the Crimson King. And the Crimson King is, I guess, Stephen King's universe's idea of the devil. And these low men basically go around and they do his bidding. They interact with our world in negative ways. They create havoc. They grab people from our world and they travel between dimensions and between universes. And when they appear in our world, you know, as I said, it's very similar to a men in black appearance. Um, They are not quite right. One of the things that that he writes into his novel is that um, that a lot of times what happens is these low men come into an area and they are looking for someone. And so in our world, what we see tends to be different than what quote unquote reality is, the reality where these low men exist. And so in our world, we see lost pet posters. We see a lot of lost pet posters. And if you saw them for what they really were, those posters are basically posters these low men put up advertising that they are looking for a certain person to bring back to the Crimson King or to do away with or whatever it may be. Um, there's a lot of similarities in in many regards. I know you mentioned at one point in the Blurry Photos interview, you said something about uh, one of the stories you got was about one of these entities, I think you said driving a fancy car or a an older car. And that is also one of the features of the low men. They tend to drive older, American-made, flashy, antique cars. So, you know, it's not a one-for-one comparison, obviously, but it is similar enough that it does seem very interesting. And that kind of begets the question of why. Is this? It was almost like a chicken and an egg thing. Did Stephen King know of these low men? Did he write them based on stories of um, mirrored men or a combination of mirrored men and men in black? Or did he just make them up? And is it now a new version of Slender Man, where it's basically a tulpa that's been created out of whole cloth after millions and millions of people have read these Stephen King novels, now all of a sudden these low men are appearing, or at least a form of them is appearing as these mirrored men. Any way you cut it, it is very interesting, and I just thought this was something that, um, while not a sighting of mine personally, it is something that kind of piqued my interest, and I thought that you might be interested in passing it along to your audience. I hope things are going well. Take care, buddy. And here is pretty much where I lose the scent. But that's not going to stop us from playing just a few more stories. But first, I need to touch on a few announcements. If you found yourself a fan of Monsters Among Us, 
perhaps you'd like to check out our social media pages. You can find our accounts at Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We have a closed group on Facebook that you'd probably really like to be a part of. For you Patreon supporters, I recently released Monsters Among Us Beyond Episode 17, where we do a deep dive with Kevin from Vermont, who saw a large dog-like creature in the road. And for those that are looking for bonus content, head on over to patreon.com forward slash Monsters Among Us podcast. A $4 monthly pledge gets you two additional shows a month. I've been teasing this for what feels like forever at this point, but I'm finally ready to announce our new t-shirt design. Most of you probably have heard of the extremely talented Brett Manning. I sat down with Brett and asked her to put together a design that was inspired by the show. And I gotta tell you, what she came up with was brilliant. Be sure to check out our social media pages for a quick look at the shirt, which I will be ordering early next week. And if you're a fan of creepy and whimsical work, be sure to check out Brett Manning's stuff. Simply search Brett as a girl on Google and it should get you there. If not... Hit up the show notes. And lastly, earlier this year we updated our studio space here at Monsters Among Us headquarters. And to fund the project, we did a neat little crowdsourcing thing. You see, one of the walls in the studio is brick. So I offered to carve a particular name or message into a single brick for $40. And many of you jumped on board. Well, since that time, I've been working on these bricks and getting them finished up. Many others have expressed interest in joining the little club. So I'm happy to announce that it seems the original donators are okay with me opening this back up. So here is the new deal. Any donation above $50 gets you a single name on your brick. If you have a hyphenated name, I'll work with you. So if you're interested, go to monstersamonguspodcast.com and click on the Donate tab. A big thank you to those that have already donated. Alright, with that out of the way, let's get back to these mirrored men. Our next entry of the evening was originally submitted via email. But do you remember Ray from Illinois? Well, I had Addy get in touch with him and asked him to record his story for us. So for the first time, in Ray's own voice, his mirrored men encounter from the Chicago lands area. Hey, Derek, this is Ray from Chicago land area. I'm calling because I had a mirrored man experience about eight years ago on Thanksgiving Day. I was uh, watching my one year old cousin. She was already asleep. It was close to midnight, and it's not a lot. The last week or so because there's a lot of snow on the ground and I was at my aunt's house and basically the living room and the entertainment stuff was in one room and the kitchen was up some stairs and so I went upstairs for a cup of water and I looked outside and there was no light uh, it was a motion sensor light so as you know nothing would be there so uh, I go downstairs about 10 minutes later, out of the corner of my eye, I see a light come on. 
and I look outside and I'm expecting to see it snowing again or an animal, something like that. But what I saw was in the middle of the backyard was three people. Or at least what I thought was people. I, uh, I looked, um, and I guess one of them must have noticed because at the same time all three of them turned towards me with the head turned towards me. And when they moved, the mouth kind of came first. There was no teeth where the mouth should be, and it looked like a, a, a shape of a mouth turning towards me, and then the face finally turned. And I was expecting to kind of like go outside and be like, get out of here guys. But where their eyes were, there was nothing there. They kind of just turned back to where what they were doing, they were just walking, or actually more like floating because I don't remember seeing any feet. And uh, since it was snowing, you'd think you'd be able to see footprints. So I kind of raced to the vantage point because I wasn't going outside. And I see that there was no footprints whatsoever. And it wasn't snowing at that time, so there was no chance of covering it up. And so they were moving towards one of the edges of the backyard. And uh, the, the fence they had was a wooden fence about seven feet tall and they just went through it just just without even jumping digging anything like that so it was crazy this part took five or six minutes just that whole interaction but as always it felt like an eternity so i run to my cousin's room just to, to see because at that point that's second nature is Oh, maybe they're going for something. And so I went downstairs, and nothing was missing, nothing was wrong. It was just one of those weird coincidences. And of course, it tells about myself. I couldn't really tell people because they would think I was just freaking myself out because that house uh, was supposedly haunted, and you heard noises and that kind of stuff. So um, that's my story. Thanks for the podcast. Thank you, Ray, for taking the time to record that. Ray's story may have caused a shift in my thinking in regards to the mirrored man. I know who Ray is. I know people that work with Ray. He's a trustworthy source. So that's two separate people that I trust telling me very similar stories. And while I don't have a single answer or a single explanation, I do have a stack of stories and the inclination that something strange just might be going on. Now you didn't think I'd sneak out of here without playing something new, did you? As it just so happens, a new mirrored men call came in not too long ago. The following call, in fact. This call from James in California. Hello, this is James from California. I had a episode where it's kind of a weird dream slash memory. I can't really place what exactly where exactly it is because there's some pieces about that's uh, rather interesting. 
but the way I can remember it, it kind of feels like it might be a dream. So I'm not sure if it actually did happen or not. It's just what happened in the dream that's quite pe peculiar about it that I keep thinking back to. It was back when I was living with my parents, uh, I believe around high school or so. It must have been because the fact of where the bed was placed and the view I had looking out the window. Uh, at that time, the bed would have been placed and looking out the window, it would have meant that I could see the back porch and also the steps going up to the backyard. And in this image was basically three beams. They were walking down the stairs completely in unison. It was um, like in lockstep, kind of like the, the mirror men that's been, that some people have reported seeing. And the three of them were going down these steps towards the back porch of my house, uh, all looking down. They all had their hands on their sides and the movement of the, the walking steps they were making was uh, not just in lockstep, but they're also kind of robust in a ways it was like they're just the feet would end up snapping down to the next step below them so the, the foot would kind of lift off a little bit and then it would seem like it's a pretty smooth slow start and then it would just kind of snap down to the next step as they went from one step down to the next step and their rest of their body did not seem to really move or adjust at all kind of like a normal walking stance uh, going downstairs and they were spaced apart from each other it, it, it felt very um, like drone like or um, very robotic like the three of them walking down together they had uh, rather large gray heads which makes me think it was the the gray aliens and the other thing that was very interesting about it that made this dream very uh, clear is the fact that they were wearing clothes and I did not actually start to look into the interest of aliens and alien abduction for quite some time after that but this memory came with them wearing clothes and I found that concept that they were wearing clothes to be just completely out of out of the ordinary very unorthodox and it wasn't until much later on when I started reading in books and find out that other people reported reported them from time to time wearing clothes too. So the clothes that they were wearing was uh, blue clothes. As some people have described them wearing overalls that got a really good look at them up close. I couldn't tell if they were wearing overalls or not because they were kind of off in the distance. It was dark out. There wasn't any sort of bright lights. It was kind of um, being lit up by moonlight from what I could see. But I remember it was like it was dark blue clothes, kind of like a jumpsuit, kind of like a mechanic would wear, but they weren't loose and baggy. It was, um, I don't know, um, kind of along the lines of what, what, uh, tight to your, uh, tight to the body, kind of like what a sport bike, uh, rider would wear. It was kind of like a leather jacket and leather pants and they were, uh, tightly to the body, uh, tightly wrapping around the body. So. And it seemed like they might have had some pockets in them, possibly. Um, maybe a collar, like a silver collar of some sort. I remember seeing a silver collar. 
in these images and in the image and um, all three of them were wearing the same exact thing and like I said they're just walking and step down towards the back porch I don't recall anything beyond that the image just basically stopped there of just seeing the three of them uh, walking in unison down the, the steps to my back porch and that was basically it for the entire memory of it hope this helps you out bye thank you James if I'm being honest it sounds as though James suffered from some nightmare no doubt induced by the subject of the mirrored man but then again as I always say I was not there so I can only offer up my guesses and take James for his word thank you again James for taking the time to share and this truly is where the trail runs cold it's been some time since I've received a classic Mirrodman encounter but I'm hoping this episode changes that I'm hoping someone out there listening has seen something similar. If this phenomenon really exists, others out there have seen it. And I want to hear those experiences as well. So if you have a mirrored men experience you would like to share, or any paranormal experience, Simply call the hotline at 1-888-608-NIGHT. That's 1-888-608-6444. And that's going to do it for this episode. A big thank you to Warren Pon Abbott, Addie Lloyd, and Tony Bell for their help, not only on this episode, but every episode. The music you're hearing is from the talented Coag Music. And Monsters Among Us podcast is written and produced by me, Derek Hayes. Thank you all for listening, and until next week. Like the Mirrored Men, Monsters Among Us has its own secrets. Nearly every week after the outro, I try to include one last story for those that stick around. And tonight is no different. Tonight's submission comes to us from the state of Florida, from an anonymous source. Hi Derek, I'm a 40-year-old female from Florida. I've been listening to your podcast for a bit now in order from oldest to most recent. I still have a lot of catching up to do, but I recently heard the stories about what you dubbed the mirrored men. To be honest, I was shocked to hear that others had experienced something similar to what I experienced. 
My girlfriend and I thoroughly enjoy walking in what little bit of wilderness we have left here in Florida. And once we've explored all the little areas close to where we live, multiple times we began venturing out further from home. And sometimes we take a tent and sleeping bags so we can just camp. In the fall of 2014, we went far enough from home to do just that. It was a place we've explored multiple times. So we quickly found a decent spot to set up our tent and leave our gear so that we could explore without carrying any extra weight. After getting that squared away, around 1 p.m., we set out walking. We had been walking for maybe 30 minutes when my girlfriend grabbed my arm and began pointing for me to look at something in the distance that appeared to be falling behind the trees. With this object falling or descending behind the trees, I couldn't see many details other than it had an amber glow and appeared to be large and spherical. My immediate thought was that it was a meteor or something of that nature. We decided to walk in that general direction to see if we could find anything at all. After walking for an hour or so, she abruptly stopped right in front of me, and I heard her gasp. I looked up to see what appeared to be three men who looked exactly alike. I'm not sure if you had calls that described their attire, but while it was obvious they were all dressed in a very dark or black colored outfit, I couldn't tell you exactly what they were wearing. It seemed like a one-piece suit without individual legs being visible, but it didn't flow like a robe. It's really hard to put the clothing into words, since it just wasn't natural. I noticed no fabric moving, and I could tell they were taking steps, if that makes any sense. Neither of us moved at all, of course, but they were so close when we noticed them that they obviously knew we were there. They moved in unison from west to east, across our path until they were directly in front of us, at which point they all turned their heads and looked at us. They were close enough that I could see their faces pretty well, and the best way I can describe them is expressionless and hairless, with an almost plastic or fake appearance. When they looked up, my mind was screaming, run, but I couldn't, and she couldn't either. I guess maybe we were just frozen in fear or shock. Literally, the next thing I know, my girlfriend is crying and asks me what happened, and it's completely dark outside. It was approximately 2.30 to 3 p.m. when we encountered these men, and suddenly, it was completely dark. When we finally got back to our tent, which took much longer with just a flashlight, we grabbed our things and made our way to the car so we could leave. I did a lot of research after that to try to determine what happened to us and what it was we had seen, but didn't have much luck. I would always go back to the idea of extraterrestrial men in black type beings. We both just tried to push it to the back of our minds and forget it, so you can imagine my shock when I heard someone experience something similar. I hope there are more stories similar to this that I haven't heard yet, so that maybe we can try to understand it more. I wouldn't wish seeing these men on anyone, but it sure is nice to know that we're not alone or insane. Now, I think this story is extremely interesting because it details a UFO prior to the mere men sighting. So is that a red herring? Or is that perhaps a clue as to their origins? Perhaps someone out there knows the answer. But until then, we'll keep asking the questions. 
Thank you for sticking around to the end of the show, and have a great night. It all starts with an invitation to experience Lexus. To start the ignition. To feel confident. To be connected to everything. It starts as an invitation to drive a Lexus vehicle. But it becomes a dynamic experience. The Invitation to Lexus sales event. Your invitation is always open. But the offers only last through March 31st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Click the banner to discover more.